With all of the wide eyes of our children this morning, I was reminded of several classes of children who were lined up at a school, a Christian school, before lunch one day, and at the, the head of the table was a large pile of apples. And someone had slid a note right there at the base of this large pile of apples, and the note read, take only one, God is watching. Well, moving through the line, at the other end of the table was a large pile of chocolate chip cookies. So one little boy wrote his own note, and he snuck it next to the cookies. It said, take all you want, God is watching the apples. <laughs> Advent. Advent is the season when Christians watch and wait. It's also the season where we acknowledge that God is one who watches and waits. That at one point in human history, God did intervene. And that coming again soon will be Christ himself. That between then and now, there are some things that we, the Christian church, can do. We understand that God knows all of our human emotions and that phrases this time of year such as God with us, those phrases still matter. You see, you and I, we live in this in-between time, in between the resurrection and the second coming. We're in what's called the second advent, awaiting the return of King Jesus. A couple of questions with which I've been wrestling over the past two weeks, uh, thinking about advent and the start of, of all that you see and experience today is this. Uh, what should we do while we wait? How do we wait? What are we supposed to do while we wait? How do you wait in the grocery line or the carpool line? Or waiting to get into a ball game? <laughs> or for the doctor to return some test results? Culturally, and in our society, we have waiting rooms. <laughs> Susan, Ella, Kate, and I, we visited a waiting room this past week. It was at the Department of Motor Vehicles. Have you been there? It's a religious experience. We arrived at 745, thinking we would get ahead of everything. They were so kind that they had 50 people who anticipated our arrival and said, you can go to the back of the line. And so we did. And so we did. We waited in that line, and it took us to a screen, and there was a nice attendant standing there. And... Uh, we were cordially told, Susan and me, that uh, despite um, a handful of bills uh, proving that we live where we say we live and a couple of forms of, of identification, that it could not be proven who we really are without a birth certificate. Well, Ella Kate, our daughter, she's 19 years old. She had everything she needed to renew her license, but she didn't have the one thing she needed to get that little yellow star that's so in, in rave right now. She didn't have um, her birth certificate. So even as a 19-year-old, she needed proof that she belonged to us, and we belonged to her. We went um, one for three that day, <clears throat> neither of us being able to actually prove who we say that we are, but I noticed some peculiarities about waiting in that public waiting room. One is the reality that nobody really knows when their number will be called because, you know, you have driver's permits and driver's road tests and renewal of licenses, and at the end of the month you have a lot of people coming at the, at the same time to do several different things. So you never really know when your name or your number will be called. That's not how the system works. So we all watched and we all waited together. Some numbers called ahead of schedule. 
Others hit the 90-minute mark. We waited for that wonderful robot voice to call our number. You know, while you wait for something like that, it can be stressful. Waiting, in general, can lead to anxiety about the future. How long will I be here? What if they've forgotten about me? Some people were so enthralled in their phone apps, they could have missed the second coming altogether and never known that Jesus even came back. What if we ask ourselves in those situations, what if my number is called on that digital sign and, and I just miss the sign of the time? So we waited for an hour and a half to be told we couldn't prove who we say we are. And while we did so, I watched the waiting habits of other people. Some people never look up from their phones, literally. I poked a guy to make sure he was still alive, right? Some people like to people watch while they wait. Some people make eye contact. Others look at their shoes the whole time. They don't want to be around anyone. The extroverts, they'll strike up a conversation with anybody. The introverts, they step outside. The ambiverts like me, we just want to see how it's all going to play out, right? I mean, there's a social... So I wonder, is waiting is part of our human condition? And it is. So much of our lives is spent waiting. I wonder if that's why it's so important that the gospel lesson for Advent 1, 2019, opens with a focus on watching and waiting. What do we do while we wait? One of the things I want you to keep in mind is that when Matthew's gospel was written, that it was long after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. In fact, the temple had been destroyed. And what that means is no temple, no God, because God lives in the temple. So they got a little anxious about the absence of Christ. They started sitting around thinking, what's going to happen? You know, Jesus, you told us, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I, I'm coming back for you. I'm the mansion thing. It's going to be yours. All the disciples wanted was a little sign. Just give us a sign that we're not alone, that you're coming back for us. And here we are 2,000 years later, watching and waiting. But as Jesus says, just a few verses prior to, to today's text, the signs are all around. Look at the fig tree. In just a few months, as the leaves are falling off here and we're all scurrying to clean them up in our yards and in the streets, in just a few months, they'll start budding, those trees will. It's a sign of, of life. Or like the people in the age of Noah, I love this reference in today's text, we occupy our lives with food and with drink and dancing, and, and we do so much of that that we sometimes miss God's activity in the world, and we take our calendars and our emotions and our relationships, and we flood them with all the wrong things. And we need an ark. Sometimes we can overshoot where God is at work in the world and how all of the signs around us are pointing to God's activity. 2,000 years later, 2,000 years of Christ without Christ being in the world, we think of things like absence makes the heart grow fonder. You've heard that, that adage, right? But absence can also drive us to our knees in fear, especially if this is the first year that someone we love is absent from us. Or if a child goes to school, or if a child goes back to school, or if someone has died in the past year and we're, we're all alone, that absence can draw us closer, but absence can, can be numbing as well. You know, in the, in the two chapters, 
In the chapter uh, following this passage, Jesus gives two examples reminding his disciples or foretelling his disciples that he's going to be gone as well. One is the, the parable of the bridesmaids, you know, five of them, they just, they flop completely. They run out of oil, they run out of wick, and they fall asleep while the bridegroom is supposed to be coming. The other five, though, they're preppers. You know, they're ready. They have oil aplenty. Their wicks are ready. They stay awake. They're focused. Then the other one is about a master who goes away. The other story, just ahead of this one, the other one is about a master who goes away, but he entrusts all of his finances and his property to his servants. It's like a stewardship initiative without a leader. So some of them invest and start making the master money. But do you remember that one servant? He refused to do any investing. He was fearful. He was scared. He couldn't move past his present predicament. He didn't know, know what to do in the absence of the master. Jesus is telling us, the time is coming when I'm going to be away from you. The disciples thought he was coming back sooner rather than later. But while he's away, he says, watch and wait and be prepared and stay awake. I have to tell you that in our day and age of questions, fear, violence, foreign and domestic terrorism, that without fail, at the return of every commercial, there comes this breaking news on our, our favorite TV outlet, right? Breaking news! And we all, do we not, in this day and age, we all kind of go, what's next, right? We're just kind of waiting for it. A lot of times it's, it's not breaking news at all, it's, it's just news to me. But my fear is that we become so desensitized to, to breaking news that we overlook those kind of headlines. Perhaps there's a prophetic word this Advent season about not becoming desensitized to the good news of Christ. It is breaking news, but it's in breaking news. We don't want to miss what we're going to hear the next four weeks, these stories about his birth and the signs of his return that are imminent and all around us. And maybe that's because we're watching and waiting for the wrong kind of Messiah. Because we oftentimes merge our theology of who Jesus is with our theology of Santa Claus, right? Give me what I need. Give me what I want. He's making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty and nice. And we sort of blend those, but that's not the, the coming Messiah for whom we wait at all. The one for whom we wait says, I'm going to make all things new. And there will be no war. Swords will be beat into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks. And the darkness of this world will not last we need breaking news to become the inbreaking of God's good news. I'm also reminded this time of year, friends, why we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, over and again, and why we sing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, because things are not right in the world, at least not yet. At least not yet. There's still stories like Anaya Blanchard's that remind us why we sing songs about coming, Lord, into our midst now. And that's why with this story, I dropped everything Tuesday to listen to Anaya's mama, Angel, because there was a press release and it was breaking news. But I kind of felt like that over the course of that conversation, 
And what she was telling families all over this world is to watch out and to be prepared to not go anywhere alone. But then she said, don't miss the opportunity to tell somebody you love them. What she's saying in response to pure evil is the same message that Jesus gave his disciples. Wait, watch, be prepared, go two by two. You see, what we have just witnessed and participated in today, it's more than just perfunctory hanging of Christmas and placing of greeneries and setting of poinsettias and singing of hymns. What we are doing in worship is shaking our fists at all the evil and injustice and oppression that exists in this world and saying, we're going to light these trees. We're going to light these candles as a reminder that there's no darkness too great for the coming of Christ into our lives. Hope is not passive. Hope is active. Hope is the social activity of God's people during the times of uncertainty. That there are things in this world that should keep us awake until God makes everything right again. We believe that. So what are we supposed to do about those things? How are we supposed to wait until Christ comes? Well, I like what Lance Stone says. He said, if you want to watch and wait, look for what he calls the anti-sacraments. The anti-sacraments. The agony of the bereaved places where there's guilt and shame, the distended bellies of hungry children, the lonely widow, pride and arrogance of leaders, illiteracy, the stigmas that are associated with mental health. All of these are, are anti-sacraments, places that need God's grace through God's people, the body of Christ called the church. And so we watch and we wait by mending the places where God's heart breaks in this world. That's, that's how we mark the coming of the kingdom of God and Christ. So we recognize the presence of Christ in worship and the hanging of the greens, and next week in the bread and the wine. We see it and hear it in the children's voices and, and through being here with one another. Those can keep us awake with anticipation, but the anti-sacraments, those places that seem like vacuums in this world, are the exact reasons that we should be ever watching, ever waiting, and ever present as Christ's body. Some of you I've told this story to, had this back thing going on for a few weeks now. You know, you're trying to sleep with back pain, every little turn, every little nudge, you know, it just, you feel it, it's discomforting, and, and you wake up. I've been thinking about Advent and back pain. Maybe Jesus is saying, watch and wait for those places where you feel discomfort and unsettled and maybe even a little pain. That's where Jesus breaks into the world. Because I believe that in those places where there appears or seems to be a Christ vacuum, that Christ is actually the most present there. Friends, that's where our watching and waiting should take us. Because that's where the joy and the wonder and the mystery of salvation will be revealed. And listen to this. In a few weeks, after all, we will be celebrating the Messiah who was born as a baby in a feeding trough with livestock all around him to a teenage virgin, all of whom would become refugees during an infanticide at the order of a maniacal world leader. 
those are the places where we need to look. Those are the places where we need to wait for Jesus to show up, then, now, and in the future. So watch and wait there. And by the way, welcome to Advent. Amen.